0: I have to ask this, Um, it happens at my house every year, Um, we watch, okay, we is a strong word, Um, my girls watch Hallmark a lot, Um, some of those Hallmark movies, anybody else watch some Hallmark movies during Christmas, oh come on, I know it's more than that, how many of you like the Hallmark Christmas movies, ladies, come on, I I see it, All right. Um, there's nothing like them, nothing else like them, well, sorry, there's nothing else like them except themselves. They're pretty much, you know, all um, similar. I won't go as far to say the same. They're all very similar. But I found this this week. I came across this this week. It is actually the Hallmark Christmas movie plot generator, all right? It will help you understand all the Hallmark movies. So um, you can see across the top, big city lawyer returns to her small town at Christmas time to inherit something and magically falls in love with a sensitive guy in plaid. Um, it works, right? And you can mix and match some of these. Um, so recently, single interior designer returns to her small town at Christmas time um, to enter a folksy contest and magically falls in love with some guy and his dog. Um, it works across the board. You can see this. My favorite is, at least on the second column, early 2000s actor that you have forgotten about. Um, That fits into this scenario as well Um, to save the family business falls in love with a single dad and his precious child and don't forget across the bottom and also the old only old man in town might actually be the real Santa. It works. It happens. But movies in general, Christmas movies across the board. If you have watched very many Christmas movies and some of my favorite in my house, you're going to catch this. Movies where these people seem out of place, seem to be forgotten, but yet they want to be remembered. It's kind of the misfits, people who have been excluded in life, whatever it might have been, they want to be included into something. They don't want to be misfits anymore. But you can see this in in a lot of movies. So Buddy the Elf, as an example, he would be one. He is a human amongst elves, or he's an elf amongst humans. Either way, he's a misfit in either place that he's at. Or what about an older one, Ebenezer Scrooge? The guy that nobody wants to hang out with, nobody wants to be around or include. And through the story, he learns some life lessons and he starts to include others. Or one of my favorites, Kevin from Home Alone. He, he gets left Home Alone and kind of that one that is forgotten about. And at first he really likes it, but then he realizes there's something more to it. He even goes to the length of inviting and accepting his scary old neighbor Um, into his life and makes a friendship there Um, again this would be my favorite cousin eddie Um, here's the deal with cousin eddie he doesn't even know he's a misfit so i don't know if it fits into this scenario or not but i have to mention um christmas vacation sometime during the season from the stage all right rudolph this would be one that of course we get it we sing the song right he was excluded He was left out. He was made fun of. They wouldn't let him play in the games with them. And he eventually ends up somewhere to help others on the island of Misfit Toys. You guys know this, right? This is where he actually ends up and goes. It's kind of creepy, but it works. Um, And then there's the ultimate one, the Grinch. Got left out of Whoville. And tries to go back, right? And he, he struggles the whole time. And they finally accept all the Who's and Whoville accepting back into town. And he's not a misfit with them anymore. But there's misfits throughout. Even in Scripture, when we talk about this story, we see misfits as part of the story. And there's a group of shepherds that would fit into this category, The misfits of the Christmas story. In fact, in in the song, Silent Night, when we've been talking about this, it probably wasn't so silent for some people. The shepherds would be one of these cases. It wasn't a silent night for them, and we're going to see it. Silent night, holy night. Shepherds quake, right, at the sight. They get scared because these angels, heavenly hosts, come and sing to them, and it freaks them out. So let's learn about this. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, um, you want one like with real words and pages or some on either side of the room. If not, get your phones out and find your Bible app. In fact, you can follow us on that Bible app under the events. You can see everything we have there with some announcements and different things. But you can follow along with the scripture there. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. This is the story of the shepherds. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Okay, let's hang out there for just a little bit and unpack this. What I notice, first of all, is that this is plural. Meaning, there's more than one. There's not just one shepherd out watching a couple sheep. This is a bigger flock. And I think that's the thought behind it, that they want us to see and understand. Um, We don't know exactly how many, and I'm not sure that that matters. What we do know is that it's a big flock. It took more than one or two shepherds to watch these sheep. So here they were. They were out watching their flocks, a group of guys. And shepherds, they were the outsiders. They were the outcasts in life. My understanding when I was growing up, when I, even into ministry for a while, I always thought maybe the shepherds were these wise old men that just kind of walked you know, slowly behind all their sheep, making sure they all stayed alive. But if you think about what it would take to be a shepherd, they have to be pretty quick and out, agile. They have to be able to protect their sheep from wild animals, to be able to, to kill other animals before they got to the sheep. So they probably had to be pretty young and athletic to be in shape, to be ready to be a shepherd. But these guys, really, the study and the research that we do have, they were outcasts. They were the misfits. They were the people that wanted to be included, but they've been excluded in life. They were the people that no one else wanted to hang around with. These guys were kicked out of the temple. They couldn't go to the temple and worship or be part of that anymore. Something had happened in their life. They couldn't even go to the temple. They were considered unclean. They were below second-class citizens. In fact, the only people below them further would be people with leprosy. But that was not by choice. The people with leprosy, at least people loved them. They just couldn't hang out with them anymore because they might be contagious. These guys, people chose not to hang out with them. They were dirty, smelly, probably young boys. Um, Probably they got in trouble at some point. They misbehaved. They got kicked out of society So they went to live in the fields, and the only people that would accept them would be other shepherds and teach them their ways. And it says they were living in their fields. That was their home. They were looked down upon by the religious elite. They couldn't even testify in a court of law because no one trusted these guys. Probably because they got in trouble for doing something illegal, and no one trusted them anymore. However, this is what God does. This is the amazing part about God. Look at verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. So an angel shows up to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I've never seen an angel, but I've got to be honest with you. I think if I was ever out in the field alone at night and I saw an angel, I would be terrified. That would be a good word to describe what I would be feeling at the time. Terrified. And if you've been here the last few weeks, there's been a common theme that we've talked about. We've studied some people in this story that ran into or had an um, encounter with an angel. Zachariah, Mary, Joseph, and every single one of them. They were scared when they saw the angel. The angel had to remind them, do not be afraid. And I catch this. Fear is a natural response to something that God asks us to do. If God comes to you and says, hey, I've got a job for you. Hey, I want you to go do this. You're going to be scared. Or it might not be God asking you to do it. It might just be your own idea, and therefore you might not be scared to step out and do it. But if God is asking you to do something, there's probably a little, a little fear inside of you to step out and do it. It's a common response when we hear God asking us to step out and trust him and to follow him. If he says, hey, I need you to go and serve these people. I need you to go and forgive that person. I need you to sacrifice a little bit, to be generous. No, I I don't know if I can do that, right? There's a little fear. We hang on to stuff when it's God asking us to do it. And I watch in most of the stories throughout Scripture, and even in our lives, He loves to take us when we're scared. He loves to take us when we're not sure, when we're a little afraid, and do something amazing through us. This is what He does here. A guy by the name of Randy Alcorn, famous author, he wrote it this way. He said, A handful of shepherds marginalized by the social and religious elite were chosen to break the silence of the centuries, heralding the the Messiah's birth. What a cool God that he chooses to do it with a group of misfits. And they're brave enough to step out and follow. Now, I have to ask the question, why? Why would he choose shepherds to be the first one to tell about what is happening? I believe, is to give us an example. It's to seek and save those that are lost, the ones that don't feel like they belong, the ones that question whether they can be accepted or not. He goes to them first and gives us an example that we can live by. And he says to them, Good news of great joy for you, all people. The good news is that you don't have to wait any longer. The centuries of silence has been broken to these guys. The Messiah is here the Christ, the person that they have been waiting for, their Savior that they have been praying for is finally here. That's good news. And of great joy, not happiness. It's not that they will be happy after this because they're still shepherds when this is over. They still live in the fields. They're still outcast to society. It doesn't change that for them. But it brings them joy. It's deeper than happiness. It will last through suffering, joy. And it's to them. It, it's to me. It's to you. I happen to believe. I know some of you. I don't know all of you here this morning, but I know some of you. And some of you would fit in the category of misfits, at least at some point in your life. All right. I won't point any fingers. Um, but I've been there as well. I think we have all walked through a period, sometime, where we have felt like an outsider a misfit to the group that we're with or in. Somehow we have walked through this, even if it's just for a little bit. And I think this is a great message for you. And I want you to hear it from me about this church. You are welcome here. In fact, I love being in a church where you look around and you're like, hey, I I kind of fit in because we're all misfits. (laughs) And, And that's how we fit in with each other because we all have some issues. We all have our shortcomings, and instead of trying to fit into a group that all looks good and is perfect, we all look around going, we're all in it together, so let's, let's keep going. You are welcome here, and there's joy in that because it's long-lasting, even through your suffering. And the message is a message of grace. And not, not just mercy. Mercy is often given to misfits because people don't want to deal with them anymore. So we'll, we'll just give you mercy and we'll go our separate ways. Here you go. We'll forgive you. We'll go here. You keep going that direction. Mercy is given. Grace is something more. Grace means you get the reward even if you don't deserve it. Grace means you get what everybody gets. You get the love and the peace, and the comfort. Not just mercy, but grace. Somebody else pays for you to be part of the group. And here's a story. This is what the angel said, verse 11. Today in the town of David, um, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. This is the beauty of it. Verse 11 is prophecy. So the prophecy of the Old Testament is coming to a group of shepherds first. This is the first time that we see this in the New Testament. The prophecy being spoken. And I get it this way, maybe you as well, You're, are you always looking for a sign from God? Don't you wish He would just send you an email and tell you what to do and how to do it? If God would work that way, it would be so much easier for us. So I pray and I ask God, give me a sign. And then God says, fine, here it is, I'll lay it out as cleanly as I can. God tells me what I should go and do, and then I do this. No, that's not what I meant, God. I meant this over here. I wish you would have told me, th- this is what I meant by you telling me what to go and do. And Oftentimes, God takes me a different way. I'm not sure if the shepherds knew the Old Testament or not. Maybe they did. Maybe they'd heard it before. Maybe they didn't know this prophecy. But a sign? A baby? Really? Okay, here's a really cool sign. I want to share this sign with you. Here is a sign of Crestview. Crestview. This is a sign out at our property, and I'm excited about this sign. We made a commitment a few years ago um, to the church that we weren't going to put a sign on our property until we broke ground. We didn't want to put a future home of and then have that sign get worn out because we didn't do anything about it for a while. We waited until we broke ground, and I'm excited. Um, There's a fence up. They have... The foundation is um, rough-graded or fine-graded, ready to go in. They've done some utilities underground. They're ready to start building the building. And it's pretty cool to see a sign that says, this is it. This is where you're going. This is what we're doing together. There's something cool about having that sign in front of us. Same with these shepherds. And you will find a sign. Your sign is a baby. A baby. The Messiah, just like the Old Testament said. The prophecy of that is coming true in front of you. And then this is what happened. Make sure they get the picture and they understand it. It wasn't just one angel singing to them or telling them. Now thousands of them. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. It wasn't just one. Many, uh, probably thousands of angels standing in the sky singing to these shepherds who may have never heard music like this before. I believe that none of us have heard music like this before. The only people that have heard music like this before in their lifetime are these shepherds. The misfits, the outcasts, and they have a front row seat to the best concert that has ever been given in our world. They get to stand there and listen to these angels sing, and it moves them. Not just to tears, probably, not just to, wow, that was cool, but to action. They did something after this concert Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. I don't see anywhere in this where these group of shepherds voted on what to do. I don't see where they pulled together a committee and said, all right, here's here's options in front of us. This is what we can or can't do. I see direct action. When God asked them to do something or told them about something, they said, we're in. We're going. We're going to go do this. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the angel told us about. And it works. When we follow the instructions of God and what he tells us to do, he pulls it all together. It works. In the midst of the most humble situation, from rags as clothes. I, I believe these, these shepherds probably didn't have nice clothes that they were wearing living out in the field. They probably had blankets or whatever they could come up with. They turned into clothes, and that's what they were wearing. Dirty, ratted hair, dirt under their fingernails, probably moonshine on their breath. I mean, what do you think shepherds drink? Really? <laughs> Not just water. I'm sure they made their own concoction you know, of what they were drinking. These are the guys that showed up not just to see the baby first my guess of course we don't have this in scripture either my guess is they passed him around (laughs) they didn't just look in the window i believe they got right up close if this is what the angels told them they wanted a piece of this and they wanted to hold it and it reminds us the first will be last and the last will be first Now, I want to take you somewhere as well. I think this is a cool theory, and um, this isn't in the passage either, but it's just a theory. Some theologian thought of this at one point point, started to write about it, and I like this thought. I want to take you down a road with me here on thinking about these guys. Just just a theory here, that these shepherds may have been, and it's because of their proximity to um, Jerusalem, their proximity to the temple, there is a thought that maybe these sheep and these shepherds were the temple sheep and the temple shepherds. Okay, meaning, hang on with me on this one, meaning that when the priest would make sacrifices in the temple, this would be the flock that they would go to. These would be the sheep that they would go and get and bring to the temple to make sacrifices for the sins of the people during that time period. Meaning that these shepherds were the shepherds that watched the sheep that were getting ready to be slaughtered or to given as a sacrifice. For the sins of the people. Now, I don't know if these guys were smart enough. I don't know if they figured it out. I don't know if something hit them either on the way to see Jesus or coming back from Jesus or if it was three days later or a week later that one of them may have grabbed the others and said, Guys, do you know what just happened? Do you get it? We're the shepherds of the sheep for the temple that makes sacrifices for the sins, and we just got to hold. The Lamb of God, who is going to be the sacrifice for all the sins of all the world. How cool is our God that he would choose the people that watch the sheep for the temple to be the first ones to watch over the Lamb that became the sacrifice for all of us. How cool is that? I mean, that, that took my afternoon away from me this last week. I mean, I just, I really, I couldn't do much else, this thought. It just sat with me for a while. I'm like, that is so cool. If that really was the case, and if it wasn't, it's still pretty cool <laughs> um, thought. That God would do something like that. So my challenge to you is this: how often do you do that? How often do you reflect back on your life? Whether it was yesterday or this last week or this last year or the last few years, how often do you reflect back and watch the connections that God has made in your life? And when you reflect, you can see, oh man, I can tell God was a part of that, and he was a part of that. He had to have been a part of it. There's no way that could have happened unless God was a part of this. And when we can look back and see how God has worked in our lives, it helps us to trust him today and tomorrow to work in our lives. If you don't do that, then do it. I think it's important for you to see how God has worked in your life. And if you do, then I want you to follow the example that the shepherds set for us because they had the proper response to Jesus. Verse 17, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They didn't keep the news to themselves. This is good news. And they were telling others about this good news. They had to share it. And my guess is they probably didn't do a very good job. They're shepherds. I'm I'm considering the fact that they probably messed it up. They probably said something the wrong way. But they shared it. And remember this, shepherds were not to be trusted. Nobody trusted a group of shepherds. Why would they tell this story? I believe it's because God can make anything amazing. And when God gets a hold of your story and all you have to do is share it, then God can change the hearts of the people that are hearing it. And however you share it, even if you do it wrong or mess it up, people will be amazed because it's a story of God. And when you share the fact that God loved us so much that he gave his only son for us, And that if we believe in this Messiah that was born, in this Jesus, that we won't have to die, but we can live forever with him. When you tell that to somebody else, and you tell them what you have seen and what you have heard, your story about Jesus, you don't have to clean yourself up first either. The shepherds came as they were. They were dirty, they were messy, they had sin in their lives to witnessed something they didn't deserve it i don't know that we deserve it either but we've got good news to share of great joy and it goes to all people now i like this part of the story as well mary um, she had a special role in this mary treasured up all these things in her heart because she could. She, she was the mother of Jesus, so she could do this part. She treasured them all up in her heart. She kept them. But the shepherds, they returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Real people with a real experience with Jesus. Pretty special. So for you. The, the plot, at least when we get to a certain point, you fill in the first couple lines of the plot generator and let God fill in the rest. God gives us that grace. God shows us that grace. And just as you have seen, just as you have heard, God can do some amazing things with you, with what you have been told. So what is it that you have been told? You've been told about this thing called grace, You've been told about this Messiah and how amazing he is. And I think we should have the same response as the shepherds to make sure someone else knows about it. If you don't know who he is, if you haven't accepted that, I would love to share that with you. If you do, then let's not hold it in. Let's share our experience with somebody else. Right now, we're going to get our hearts ready to remember what Jesus did for us, that he came as a sacrifice for us. So if you would, let's stand together, let's sing, and get ready for this time to remember Jesus.